our first week back without any guest stars. Kaylee, I hope you're excited to just be me and you again, although I do love having guest stars. Hey, I'm all for anything we do, because either way, I'm hanging out with my friends, so. There it is. <laughs> Before we start the episode, we want to put a little disclaimer out there, if you will, <laughs> about this episode. There are certain parts, there are certain jokes that are not going to land anymore, they're not aging well, and it's easy to just not talk about them in our recap. <laughs> Sadly, a lot of us needed to learn that certain things were not funny or okay to say. But in context, I want to say, like, yes, I'm going to make excuses for our boys because the part that we're talking about in particular, a bully says something that's super not cool and they react to that uncool thing in a very childish, like, I'm reverting to childhood to respond to my bully way. Yep. So, I mean... Sometimes we all, they, our boys, sadly, have some, what is it called? Vulnerability issues. Yeah. Com Regression issues, maybe. Yeah. It's like they don't know how to be fully comfortable in their manhood because they had kind of bad examples sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and live and learn. They get better. Everybody gets better. It's possible. Yeah. So we're just not going to talk about that in our recording. That's the plan. If you watch the episode, you're going to notice we just skipped that part and that's totally okay. And I would encourage you to think about the jokes that are being made and how not only did they not age well, but even at the time, were probably also inappropriate. So <laughs> that is our public service announcement before we start the podcast. Okay, you ready to go? I think I'm good. Yeah, that's showtime. It is season two. Ep oh, wait. Every stinking time, Kay. Ooh. Who are you? <laughs> this is... To the, the Blueberry! <laughs> I am Alexis, and I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee, and I'm the real-life Sean. And we are here today to talk about our favorite show, Psych! Psych. <laughs> This is a rewatch podcast where Kaylee and I just talk about what happens during each episode, our favorite parts, the pop culture references, the bits that go on throughout the entire series, just some of our favorite moments. So we today are discussing season two, episode five. The title was cut off for me, so I think it's called And Down the Stretch Comes Murder. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's what mine yeah. said. I know we watch it on different platforms. <laughs> okay. Mine just said And Down the Stretch Comes M, and I was like, I don't know what that stands for. And then like a real irresponsible podcaster, I didn't look it up. There were a couple of things that I was like, should I look this up and do an extra deep dive? But this episode felt really jam-packed to me, and I was like, that's okay. I got most of it. <laughs> yeah, lots of great quotes, lots of bits, lots of pop culture references. I did look up a couple that you were probably also talking about, so we'll get there. But for the time being, we start with our good old-fashioned 1987 flashback. And I ran. <laughs> <laughs> which is of itself perfect because so little good. Sean and little Gus and all of these other little kids are just booking it. And I thought they were in a race. I was so like, did oh, I. They're in a foot race. I was like, this makes so much sense because of the title and everything else. Right. Not quite, y'all. Not quite. They were actually running away from the school bully whose name was 
Jimmy Nichols. Okay, okay. Is he just called Jimmy Nichols, but his name is Jimmy Nicholas? The way I took it was that his given name is Jimmy Nichols, the name, his birth name, and his jockey name is Jimmy Nicholas. Okay, here's why my question. That's a thing. I don't know. Here's my question because we're not there yet, but this beginning scene doesn't go on for that long and we get the, oh no, it's Jimmy Nichols. What's his move called? Oh, the Jimmy Nichols sandwich. Or the Nichols, yeah. Instead of a knuckle sandwich, it's a nickel sandwich. Gus is in stripes, Sean is in plaid. Sean has kangaroo shoes that have a little zippy that have money hidden in them. And this guy is robbing them of everything. Like, it's never said. But when someone robs you of your lunch money as a child, you're still being mugged. You're being mugged. (laughs) I buy that. But in the present, here's my thing. I'm not jumping ahead too far, I hope. Because we got the boys wearing almost the exact same outfits in the present (laughs) that their young versions were in the past. But when Sean says... Jimmy Nickel, does he say, I didn't have captions on this time. Did he say Jimmy Nichols called or Jimmy Nicholas called or Jimmy Nickel has called? I have no idea. I could not tell what this man's name was. I will say throughout the episode, I caught Sean and Gus calling him Jimmy Nichols more than anything else. But when they are talking to other people who know him from his job they call him jimmy nicholas so or nicholson nicholas no it was nicholson nicholas yeah but sometimes they drop the s and it sounds like they're saying jimmy nickel i was like i'm so confused so let me do a little bit of side checking but sorry if i jumped ahead from our flashback to present too fast It's okay. Jimmy Nichols is this oversized kid who is bullying them for their lunch money. As Kaylee said, Sean has money stashed in his ruse, his kangaroo shoes. Pin in that. (laughs) Yes, very important. Jimmy Nichols, when he hands them the money out of his pockets, goes, and the kangaroos. And Sean has to pull the money out of the secret side pocket. Jimmy Nichols is this, like I said, oversized kid. The boys are kind of small. They are nine, right? Okay, life is good. We cut to present day. They're watching America's Next Top Model. Or they're talking about what's wrong. Gus says, did you forget to TiVo America's Next Top Model? America's Next Top Model. There it is. (laughs) Because that's so important. (laughs) They are talking and Sean's like, I got some bad news. Jimmy Nichols called. Gus said, from where? Prison? (laughs) Gus is just panicking. He's like, we're going to put a sign up that says we are in foreclosure. We're going to go out there and we're going to scrape the psych sign off of the window. We do not want people coming. Gus said some people are just born evil. Like the kid from The Omen or The Children of the Corn or Chad Michael Murray. (laughs) So rapid fire pop culture references. Any luck figuring out Jimmy's actual name? So in the synopsis, it calls him Jimmy Nichols. On IMDb, in the cast list for the episode, it calls him Jimmy Nicholas. So no more clarity has been found. TBD, guys. TBD. <laughs> the, I don't know why, but Gus sees that Sean has bought lockers for their office. Yeah, he's like, what are those? Or what is that? <laughs> Sean opens up the first two lockers and... There are two, like, Tiger Beat posters of the guys from Miami Vice. Yeah, and Sean strikes the pose of Crockett, and Gus is like, 
It's a little on the nose, don't you think? Why couldn't I be Crockett? And Sean says, uh, you stood in front of the entire class and told everyone you wanted to be Philip Michael Thomas when you grew up. Who am I just assumed was Tubbs' real name? I think so. Okay. Yeah, so. Whenever Sean kind of opens up the lockers and they fly open, he goes, chicka chicka. Ferris Bueller. Yes, which is a full-on Ferris Bueller. So we got a lot of rapid fire there. That was The Omen, The Children of the Corn, Chad Michael Murray, Miami Vice, and Ferris Bueller. Like, two sentences. Gus says something. What does he say to Sean? Or what does Sean say? Like, I don't know what Jimmy Nichols wants, why he's coming here. And Gus sort of screams, why couldn't you be a real psychic? (laughs) They open up the door to Jimmy Nichols. and Not before Gus grabs a mini bat. Oh, yes. (laughs) This comes up. Because uh, that was a good call with the mini bat. (laughs) Because when they open the door to Jimmy Nichols, he is a little person. Now, actually um, not. Okay. He is just a very short man. And I did a little side googling on this, at least, because individuals with dwarfism, clinically, their proportions are different than just a very short person. And they can't be jockeys most of the time as a result of that. So jockeys tend to be just very vertically challenged people who don't have like clinical dwarfism or um who aren't technically little people i think we definitely went to high school with a girl whose dad was was a jockey and her dad was a jockey yeah yeah. (laughs) they were just a very tiny family they were like pixie humans (laughs) believe it or not though she ended up going to walt disney world and playing tinkerbell see i knew she wanted to be a princess and i was like i'm so sorry i think the height requirements are at least five six no, she absolutely became Tinkerbell. And wow. I think that's so wonderful. That's for her. so great. I knew that was a dream of hers. She was the sweetest. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was. Uh, sidebar there. Okay. <laughs> They're both taken aback by how, how few inches he gained growing up. <laughs> because, like we said, he was an oversized kid. He was like, a big, was mean bully. Bigger. Yes. Yeah. We end up going to opening credits and then coming back to the psych office. And Jimmy Nichols, in his true little kid bully fashion, kind of gives Gus one of those, like, oh, jump at him and see what happens. And he totally made Gus flinch, and it was funny. And Sean called him out on his flinch, and Gus says, you know I have a caffeine tick, Sean. This is a bit that Gus does where he, like, gets defensive and says something like this, and I I love it. This is the first one I've clocked so far. (laughs) I'm sure it's not the first one, though. (laughs) Gus ends up getting a lot of pretty funny names throughout this episode. A lot of them from Jimmy Nichols. I and the first kept one... track. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Because the first one is here, and that's Barf Beetle. No, actually, that's the second one, because he's <gasps> like, first, you D-bags gonna let me in or what? So we get D-bags, and second, we get, you Barf Beetles. <laughs> that's it. I came to take your lunch money. And they both kind of freak out. But then Sean psychs out a little bit on Jimmy. They start going, so what brought you to town? And Sean goes, oh wait, I'm getting stables? Are you a jockey? (laughs) I just squeaked a lot right there. (laughs) Sean clocked the horsehair on his clothes, the dirt on his shoes, and then his general boots. And his stature. (laughs) Then yeah, there's that. Jimmy Nichols has been on a losing street and he's been losing on his best horses. 
Yeah, like his mounts, he's he's lost some of his best mounts because he's been on this losing streak. And then he calls the boys dill holes, which is number three, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. Gus is just like, I'm not taking this case. This guy's a bully. This guy's a jerk. And then Sean's like, nope, I'll take the case. Gus is like, are you crazy? Are you crazy, Sean? But Sean felt like he owed him because some stuff happened when they were kids and he kind of feels bad. But before he gets to share what happened, Gus said, if anything, he owes us for 170 lunches. You know, I added that up once. And with inflation, that's like $1,800. So in fifth grade, a spitball hit Mrs. Lipke and she fell and got hurt. And Sean ratted him out as the doer of the spitballing, and he got kicked out of school. To which I say, expulsion-worthy? Really? You could make the argument that he probably already had a history. I did think of that. And the fact that he hit her, and then she fell off a ladder and hurt herself, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you punch somebody, that's aggravated assault, but if you punch somebody and knock them out, and then they die, it's... Like manslaughter. manslaughter, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. We're I'm unfortunately going to make this point later because we get a lot of information at the very end. I also feel very bad for Jimmy Nichols. There's a lot to feel bad for him about, and I don't even think he realizes it at like in his adulthood. Like Oh, Kaylee's going deep here. Yeah, I'm unfortunately gonna get deep with him. It becomes even more apparent later, but we get more information. But Sean divulges to Gus that he's the one who ratted Jimmy out. And Gus is shocked. It's like very, <gasps> that was you? <laughs> Dude, Chips was going to come on in like 20 minutes. What was I supposed to do? Yeah, they were holding everyone there until somebody admitted something. When Gus is very, very shocked about this, Sean goes, you don't know all my secrets. I'm a man of untold mysteries. Also, the note that he gave the principal to rat Jimmy out said, your hair looks great, <laughs> which was a lie. <laughs> but... Jimmy Nichols did it. Your hair looks great. I agree with you. <laughs> His hair did not look great. And Sean is convinced that he got the wrong guy. Just something about that experience never sat right with him. It's like a case he's never cracked. It's the one that got away until now. He's convinced. He owes Jimmy. He's going to do him a solid. He's going to figure both things out. The gentlemen go on a walk and talk and they start talking about the stories of what happened to Jimmy Nichols after he was kicked out of school. My favorite of which was moving to a small town in Kansas where they outlawed singing and dancing, which Gus replies, that was footloose. <laughs> that last one was footloose. <laughs> and Sean's like, a mere coincidence. Gus finally agrees to take the case, but he says, we're definitely going to overcharge him $1,800. <laughs> I was going to use the gas lunch money inflation joke as my quote at the end of the episode, but I wanted to make the point that I am so gas because of the response of, okay, we'll take the case, but we're going to overcharge him by $1,800. Yeah, man. Oh my gosh. So next, we head on over to the track and we get a little horse whisperer moment. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. I always think about the fact that Sean often pretends to talk to animals and inanimate objects, but that's not really what a psychic does. I mean, I feel like 
he can do what he wants because nobody really knows how the gift works. <laughs> they just know that he knows that they're not telling the truth. He wait. That was <laughs> He gets really into specifics with this horse, whose name is Runaway Dunaway. And he calls him Runny D. <laughs> yes, but I just kept wanting to call it Faye. <laughs> I don't get that joke. Faye Dunaway. Oh. I took that as a poop joke. Oh. Runny D? Oh, no. Mm, I don't know. I'm a child. I don't know. But, okay, so he says that the horse doesn't like the oats. And the alfalfa pellets don't have enough crunch. Pellets, by definition, should have a natural crunch. It's very disappointing. Also, the donkey in Stable Eleven is a pathological liar. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone walks away, Gus starts talking for the horse. Gus said something like, I hate Jimmy. He's so mean to me or something. And Sean goes, are you really channeling the horse? Or are you channeling a little boy who used to wear his OPs without a drawstring? I don't know what an OP is. But I know that's a pop culture reference of some type. I have no idea. I'm going to look that up. Oops. Should have done this beforehand. They clock a sketchy flirty blonde whose name I think we find out is Brigitte. Genevieve? Genevieve? I don't know. I don't know. We do find out later, but on Amazon, they actually just call her tall blonde woman because... TBW is what they refer to her most of the time. Yeah. So she kind of gets smacked on the booty by a riding crop by another jockey. And she turns around. She's like, oh, hi. How have you been? And they're like kind of like arm touching and being like really flirty. And the guys see this. And then when she sees them see this, she kind of like, oop, and runs away <laughs> into a very nice car. And then. It looks like uh, OPs are some sort of cargo pant. Oh. <laughs> which might be funny if he has his cargo pants loaded and he's not using his drawstring. And then he gets pantsed. Yep. So they run into none other than Henry at the track. After Sean said, I mean, who actually comes here? <laughs> That's immediately where we see Henry and one of Henry's patented shirts. But this Very one is loud. even better. It's so loud. Oh, is it poker dogs? I love it. I I thought it had, like, cards all over it. I don't know. It's beautiful. I swear I saw a poodle. <laughs> yes, I hope so. He also... He calls it his lucky track shirt. Yeah, and then we meet someone named Phil the Thrill, and we get a, this is Burton oil can guster <laughs> introduction. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm Sean, this is... Because, I don't know, the guy introduces him like he's an old pal of Henry's, but it just seems like he's more of a acquaintance hanger-on type. He's a regular of the track. Yeah, Henry said that... He's not his friend. He's a bad gambler who doesn't know when to quit, but he happens to be on a hot streak right now. So Henry's being nice to him to try to get some of that luck. And the guy, before running away to place bets, goes, did he tell you I like the two, three, four trifecta box? He says, tree, instead of three. I did not catch that. <laughs> Henry says he's been trying to drag Sean to the track for years. What kind of parenting is that? You want to drag Agreed. your son to the ponies? Is it like for skill honing? It just, ew. I guess maybe like in their weird Henry's a police officer training Sean, it easily could be a good place to hone skills. And because Henry already knows that Sean is such a good gambler, maybe he thinks, you know, Sean could help him along. Well, what do they call it? Very different Handicapping. Gambling. So handicapping yes. horses means knowing a lot about 
the training of the horses, the health of the horses, the skill of the jockeys, odds, math. So it's not just gambling, I guess, in Henry's eyes, because that's why he was so, again, the whole card sharking thing. But at the same time, it's like, you're the one who said don't gamble for money. So like, mm-hmm. if you're gambling for a skill set, maybe it's different. Like you're betting for yourself <laughs> to see if you know which one will win. I don't know. Henry has a Henry moment where he said, I know why you haven't been coming with me. It takes patience and follow through, both of which you lack. And Sean said, yes, and the shirt from Mr. Furley's Closet, which is a funny Three's Company reference. It's a Don Knotts Three's Company reference. I love that. But he says that Sean has no case. Sorry to Jimmy Nichols, who Henry knows as a jockey named Jimmy Nicholas. And so then the race starts. Everything's going. Everything's running. Youthful spirit ends up winning. Yeah. Right? I think so. Which is one of the horse's name. Rode by Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos Espinoza. Now, Juan Carlos Espinoza was that jockey that kind of smacked tall blonde woman on the butt earlier. Worth noting. Yes. And he was giving it his all. He was just getting it down the track. And... All of a sudden, after it's all over, he's still in his riding stance and he just sort of like falls off the horse. Immediately, like a track hand and a photographer run over to him and start trying to help him. That photographer is doing terrible CPR. It's hard to do accurate CPR on camera because accurate CPR is going to break someone's rib potentially. That's true, but the speed of his chest compressions was just, like, not right. For those of you who don't know how quickly you should be using chest compressions, there are two fail-safe ways to do so. And one of them is to pump at the rhythm of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Uh, 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 uh. Alive. The other one, which is the kind of opposite but also funny joke, is to pump to the beat of Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. That was good. Yeah, there's a positive one and a negative one. Staying alive, another one bites the dust. Either way, CPR is a good thing. So yeah, he was not going fast enough. Sorry, that's my PSA for the day. (laughs) Someone was trying. No case, huh? (laughs) Um, A jockey who was alive at the beginning of the race is now dead by the end of the race. And then we get what would have been like a commercial break and we open back up on Jules going... So you just happen to be here today? Jules, it's free churro day. Another churro reference. I love a churro reference. Okay, so we get cause of death is maybe heart attack. And then, yes, Mm -hmm. Lassie is sneakily feeding a carrot to a horse. And it's adorable because he doesn't want anyone to see it, but Sean sees it. I love soft-hearted Lassiter. I love Lassiter. Every time I see one of those moments, I'm just like, oh, lassie. But Juliet's talking about how she doesn't really like jockeys. She doesn't really like little people. Which, okay, I paused and I went, wait, are they implying that she has achondroplasia phobia? Which is the fear of, like, little people? No, that's not what they're saying, but I quite enjoy that word. Can you say it again? Chondroplasia? Achondroplasia phobia. Achondroplasia. Or plasia, plasia. I I learned this from a stand-up comedian who has dwarfism and is hilarious and loves when people have this because it lets him bother them for humor. (laughs) But but this is where I did my research about jockeys just being short dudes or women. Turns out 
That's not why Jules has problems with people of short stature. It's because she dated an elf once. And, he and then he jerk. dumped her. <laughs> he dumped me for a dancer from The Ice Storm on Ice. Which, so... The Ice Storm was a movie from 1997. Yeah, I definitely didn't catch that reference. I was like, she dated a short jerk and has bad associations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gus says he saw the body briefly and doesn't think that it was a heart attack because the body had bloodshot eyes and was completely stiff. So something affected his nervous system, like a tranquilizer or a poison. Gus for the win! Sean calls him... Dr. Pratt. Which is Mackay Pfeiffer's character from ER. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Lassie tells the boys not to go anywhere. Yes, because he wants to talk to them. But Sean said, we can't stay here. Gus has a cramp. And Lassiter goes, no. I have a cramp? <laughs> no. I have to pee. Okay, fine. I'll give you five minutes. <laughs> now, I got to get salty here. Do it. When they sneak away because, quote, Sean has to pee, all they do is turn around, walk five feet, and start digging at the dead body. <laughs> There's like a hundred spectators behind them. Including tall blonde woman. <laughs> yeah, Lassiter is five feet away from them. And they're like, we're gonna, we're gonna open up this bag and start making short jokes about how small the jockey is. Well, they have to unzip it all the way because first they can't find where his body starts and then they find his feet first. So they need to look at his head. We go to the SBPD and we get a confirmation that there was in fact a heart attack that occurred that killed Juan Carlos. Sean says, stop! We need to at least acknowledge that Chief is wearing leopard print. <laughs> Everyone kind of goes, huh. <laughs> Chief looks surprised. I guarantee you that was an ad lib. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sean has a full psychic freak out. I'm getting something. A rose with, with, with a thorn. No, a rocket. Ricky Rocket. Cece DeVille. David Lee Roth. Wrong band. Oh, oh, poison. Yeah, Julie, yes. So Sean, very, very touched by this, goes, Yes. <laughs> and Chief is like, how do you know that, Juliet? With a look. And Juliet's like, I don't... Uh, shrug? <laughs> Awkward shrug. <laughs> Lassiter just goes, he's right. Chief, I am tired of Lassiter treating us like we are second-class citizens. Wait, what? What? <laughs> Lassiter pointed out that there were lots of drugs in his system, including opiates, barbiturates, cocaine, three different kinds of weight loss drugs, Cialis, and horse tranquilizers. This man was four foot nine, and three feet of that was drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so they Chief say. Chief is very proud of Lassiter for doing this research and realizing that likely the heart attack was caused by all of the drugs in his system. That he was taking habitually, it seems, and his heart just gave out. So it was a heart attack. It was drug-induced. It looks accidentally self-inflicted. Sean says, wait, this man was having an affair with a married woman. And they go, how do you know that? And he goes, the same way I know that Lassie wanted nothing more as a child than a pony. That's when we find out about tall blonde woman. Brigitte Nelson? <laughs> who is not Bridget Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got the name wrong. Yeah. Okay, she's the original Red Sonia and callback, she also had a relationship with Flava Flav. Really? In, yeah, in modern <gasps> times because of the... I know who that is yeah, now. Yeah, the, okay. the Surreal Life house right. on VH1. <laughs> I guess she had a ring with 23 diamonds in it and Chief Fit kind of stands up for Sean 
and says, hey, I think we probably ought to look into this tall blonde woman and see what's going on. Lassiter kind of gets upset and Sean goes, I'm available for hugs. Lassiter turns around, walks away. Juliet turns around, walks away. Gus? No. Turns around, walks away. <laughs> and then we're at the psych office and it's the next day apparently. And Sean comes in like running. He's all in like his outfit for fitness. Yeah. Just to make use of the lockers, I'm assuming. <laughs> he came in early, earlier than Gus even, and then he did some work and then he went for a little run. Gus has been looking into Juan Carlos's death and said that Juan Carlos had ketamine in his system. That's a horse tranquilizer. And which would usually cause anesthesia. Yeah. So So I gotta put it out there. Ketamine in and of itself in small doses is not deadly. A lot of people now are taking ketamine. Special K. Right, as a as a drug. <laughs> recreation? Party drug is <laughs> a recreational drug. And a lot of people are using ketamine actually to help fight their anxiety and depression in very small doses. Hmm. So why he would have a horse tranquilizer in his system is not really that absurd at this moment. Just putting it out there. But all the other stuff he was taking were uppers. Yes. And then he got himself a nice downer. Yeah. Except for the Cialis. Which is a different kind of upper. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're bad. So Sean says that he was working on something too. The spitball problem. And Gus is like, man, if you haven't found out what happened by now, you're never going to find out. We see a flashback and I'm like, (laughs) I wrote down Dallas tapes reference. And then we get little and big Sean in the flashback scene. Is that what my hair looks like in the future? (laughs) love all the hair references and he's like yes yes it is this changes everything i thought i'd be bald by 20 (laughs) they look over and they see jimmy nichols and he's sitting there and he has a straw in his mouth but the straw doesn't have anything in it and he's obviously holding a juice box no it had juice in it because he was sucking in the juice not spitting anything out yeah which means there was a second spitter which is both a JFK reference and a Seinfeld reference. I kind of saw the JFK reference, but I don't know the Seinfeld reference. It's literally second spitter. There's a there's oh. a whole thing about a baseball player and spit getting hawked, I think, at Kramer. And more than one person was spitting that day, I guess. Nice. <laughs> the scene ends, we go to the track. And Sean and Gus are doing a walk and talk. I don't know exactly how they got there, but Gus said the movie Teen Wolf makes no sense. Oh, Gus isn't buying Sean's second spitter theory. And Sean says it holds more water than your Teen Wolf theory. I completely disagree. If a random kid in our school turned into a werewolf and started doing dunks and running around like a madman, there's no way that we would embrace him. Um, I'm with Gus, 100%. I don't know. I mean, if he wolfed out on the basketball court and all he wanted to do was tear up the competition at basketball, it might be okay. No, I would be R-L-L-G screaming. (laughs) That is, running like a little girl screaming. I see, but if you run in front of a potential predator, the instinct would be to chase you. Not if you were standing in between me and them because you're cheering him on. <laughs> okay. 
Sean, after Gus's whole breakdown, says, save it for your podcast. <laughs> Sean is going to go talk to Jimmy and Gus is going to go find TBW, which stands for Tall Blonde Woman. Because all the kids are abbreviating these days. I was just going to say that. And but try not to run into... YD. Your dad. <laughs> but it's too late because there he is in another bad shirt. Hideous. Again, that I love Hideous. so much. <laughs> and then he says, your friend Jimmy has been unraced for the day, essentially. All his races have been canceled. Whoa. When they're getting ready to kind of ask why Gus sees Barry Saunders... Barry Sanders. Bar- Barry Saunders, I think. Sarnus? Quote- Did your caption say Sanders? Saunders? Uh, I don't really know what I wrote down. I'm going to be honest. Oh. I know. My, fir- my first one's really messy. And then later on, I heard it more clearly and I wrote Sarner. Okay. We'll know. go with that. Yeah. But Barry. Barry, who is the voice. He's the voice of the track. And they're trying to figure out how they're going to talk to him. And, and Sean asked Henry if Henry had ever met the guy. And... Henry was like, well, I met him one time at a policeman's ball, but I'm sure he doesn't know who I am. And Sean just goes, hey, Barry, look here. It's your old pal, Hank Spencer. Hank. (laughs) I hate that. They're trying to talk and Gus brings up that his kind of tagline is, and the race is on. The race is on. (laughs) And they're both doing this incessantly. It's terrible. He hates it. (laughs) Can you do it for us one time? And he goes, the race is on. Here, have a button. And so he hands them a button with his face on it. And that says, and the race is on. So they tell him, hey, we were actually down here to see our buddy Jimmy. He's a jockey. And we, we heard that he's not racing again today. It, you know anything about that? What's going on? Barry said that it's probably a bad thing that Jimmy was taken off of the races because he would have gotten his good mounts back, which... Juan Carlos had taken from him. But it's not a big deal because the track is probably closing down after this next race. So, And then that's when TBW walks by, whose name is Janine. Janine, Mrs. Jimmy. Who happens to be Jimmy Nichols' wife. Okay, so we skipped a part where Sean calls Henry's new shirt a genocide of color and says that somewhere a rainbow is weeping. And I don't know how, like, I couldn't work that into anything that we were saying, but it happened, and I needed it to be known. (laughs) Lassiter is arresting Jimmy Nichols, and everyone's like, oh, he did it, because, as we said earlier, Juan Carlos was having an affair with TBW, who happens to be Jimmy Nichols' wife. So now we have motive. Yeah, and Gus is real gross, and he says Juan Carlos really was stealing all of Jimmy's mounts. And I just said, ew, Gus, ew. But Gus is like, so how's this whole thing of you paying Jimmy back what you owe him going? Because you had them reopen this case and you got him arrested. Sean says, did I ask for nutshelling? <laughs> we end up at the Santa Barbara Police Department. Jimmy is in interrogation and they're talking about his orange jockey uniform. And... <laughs> Gus calls it Tangelo. I just have to ask, how do you pronounce that? Tangelo? Tangelo. Okay. He said Tangelo, and I rewinded it, and I checked it again, and I was like, that's not how you say that. Was he making a point of making it sound like tangerine and yellow? It's possible. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he just never used that word before. <laughs> yeah. The captions that popped up absolutely said Tangelo. So, but it could have been Tangelo. I like that tangerine and yellow. 
or I don't know, a Jello reference of some joke. <laughs> and then they call him Clementine and then Creamsicle. And Sean goes, you mean Dreamsicle? And Gus said, no, Sean, Creamsicle. They're exclusively orange. Which, in my brain, I don't know the difference between a Creamsicle and a Dreamsicle. I think it's probably one of those things where one is a brand and one is like just another name for the thing. But that was a missed opportunity for a, I've heard it both ways. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm just, it needs to happen. I, I need it. Lassiter agrees to give Sean and Gus five minutes with Jimmy to figure out what's going on. So they do this thing where they're like, hey, 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 they've got a lot of evidence on you. And they start listing it off. You guys fought. He was taking your rides. He was having an affair with your wife. At which point, Jimmy tries to throw himself over the table at Gus. Also, they found ketamine in his locker. That wasn't mine. Which he says wasn't mine. Now, whenever he does go over the table and tries to attack Gus, there is a uniformed officer in there and the uniformed officer picks him up. Have you ever seen a uniformed officer in the room when Sean and Gus were questioning a suspect? No, I don't think so. Also, the actual ease with which this man is holding this other man is very funny. Wow. And what did he call him? Purvis? I didn't catch that. Yeah, Jimmy calls the... But I think that's right. Yeah, Purvis or something like that. And then he's like, don't test me, man. (laughs) He puts him down. (laughs) They realize that Jimmy Nichols had no idea about the affair. Well, he said, I can't believe she'd do that again. I told her I'd stop sleeping with Russian models. (laughs) Which I'm... Yeah, okay. I'm excited to hear if that has something to do with your Jimmy Nichols theory for later on. But Jimmy told the boys that his horses had been riding well, and then he would come around the clubhouse turn and... They would fade down the stretch. And all of them would fade around the last stretch. And they were like, all of them or just some of them? And Jimmy was like, no, now come to think of it, it it was all of them. Yeah, it's like, we'd be doing great. We'd be doing it as expected, at least. And then they all faded down the stretch we're at the track sean and gus are on the track now let me tell you something kaylee that would never happen oh we know from allowed at the horse races course yes what is it called (laughs) well there's a racetrack in kaylee and i's hometown and i used to work for that racetrack And there was a six foot line that we were allowed to walk on on the track to get from the outside to the inside of the track to like water the flowers and stuff. And if we stepped on the track out of that six foot row, I mean, we got yelled at. It was craziness. And so they were just kind of cruising around, walking around. No big deal. Never happened. No, but they're finding nothing. And Sean is just like, race me. (laughs) You tell Jimmy. No, you tell Jimmy. All right, I'll race you for it. <laughs> Gus starts listing injuries. <laughs> well, yeah, because there was a 100-yard race that happened in, like, the sixth grade that Sean won, and Gus was like, no, no, I had this injury and that injury and that injury and this injury. And Gus goes, besides, go! And then just starts running, and Sean starts <laughs> chasing him. And I was like, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. And we end up with a photo finish, which I thought was a nice touch. Sean clearly won in the photo finish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end, they're just panting. They're bent over. And Sean goes, 
I'm gonna let you win this one, buddy, but not because you actually won, but because you need a victory in your life more than I do right now. They're panting and kind of looking around, still trying to figure out what's going on, and Sean sees a set of binoculars in the press box. Or the call box? I don't really know what that is. Yeah, yeah, it's where the announcer and the press people sit during the race. Yeah, so they go on up and they walk in on a... The race is on, Barry Sarner, taping his announcements or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do a quick switch where they're just like, oh, yeah, we were definitely looking for you, Barry. Can I Can I do the announcements? And Sean just takes the bike and goes, would the owner of the Red IROC Z in Lot 3 kindly return your comb to the back pocket of your acid-washed Z Caravicis and turn off your headlights? <laughs> Which, again, I think was a, a fashion reference like OP's. Gus is kind of looking around and he sees this, like, stick that's hanging on the wall. Yeah, it's a blow stick of the Choco Indians. Be- Choco, Choco Indians? Yeah, and the guy says, well, Gus knows about it from, like, a documentary on, I don't know, the History Channel or something. Something, yeah. Something that Gus watches and we know about because of the Civil War episode. And he says, oh, that's really neat. Sarner says he's actually 116th Native American, not Cherokee. We're led to believe it's Chaco Indian. Then the weird photo guy comes in. Sean said, oh, that's funny. Gus is 116th robot. And... Not the evil take-over-the-world-from-I-Robot kind. (laughs) Didn't want to miss a pop culture option. But yes, the (laughs) photographer enters. The same photographer who was doing bad CPR earlier. Sean sees that there are videotapes kind of sitting around, and they're videotapes from the old reference. I wrote something weird about Ob's new, um, and Land of the Lost references, and... Yes. So as the gentlemen are walking away, Gus said, Chaka... Really, Sean? No wonder they're embarrassed by you or something. And Sean goes, The Land of the Lost reference is virtually unheard of in everyday conversation, Gus. I guess Chaka was the name of one of the creatures from Land of the Lost. Yeah, and Sleestacks were another thing that he referenced earlier from Land of the Lost. But we just get Sean, you know, talking about the tapes in the office and he's like, I gotta see those and I'm gonna need to ask for a favor. So then we're at Henry's house. Sean's like, all right, fine, fine. Do you happen to perhaps maybe do you tape the horse races? Of course. Henry's like, of course I do. And you can watch them on one condition. He said, please, please, can we watch it? And Henry (laughs) goes, all right, you can. But the deal is you go to the derby with me on Sunday in that shirt. And that shirt is the most beautiful green Hawaiian shirt that I have ever seen, and it is covered with pineapple hunt. Finally. Pineapples on a Henry shirt. Finally. (laughs) And it's not a glorious green shirt. It is a hideous color green. I I love green shirts. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a recipe for a Mai Tai on his shirt, which I thought was kind of interesting. Which is a great catch, because I did not... see that when I was watching. Henry is trying to impose some of his wisdom on Sean and said, you're focusing too much of your attention on one aspect of the case. Close your eyes. And Sean's just like, no, I'm not doing this. He's like, you need to broaden your vision. You need to look at the outskirts of the case. And that is when Sean gets ready and just storms out. 
He storms out like a little girl. I, which I abbreviated. He's shouting about, you're always trying to make me see things the way I'm not seeing them, and how dare you, and my vision, and you sound like Oprah, and then he slams the door. But then he comes back in and he says, a child just caught sight of the shirt and burst into tears, and then he slams the door again. Before we cut to the next scene, it is worth noting that Henry said that he had been doing pretty well at the races lately, but Phil talked him into going with the long shot in the last race, and then he ended up losing, which was poopy. But we go to the psych office and Sean has this quite beautiful diorama, if I do say so myself, of the classroom from when they were like nine. And all the little people are made out of pipe cleaners and it's really adorable. It's really impressive. Sean says he's been having some color problems and it was with the color of the walls. <laughs> and he finally got it right. It had to be just the right shade so that it sucked all creative, intelligent thought from anyone who was in the space. <laughs> he screams my dad was actually right because they had switched seats in class that week and jimmy nichols was moved over two rows so the second spitter was on the other side of the classroom where jimmy normally sat so now he's narrowing in on something gus is just like this has nothing to do with anything i'm out and he leaves the psych office and then his phone rings and it's and sean, it's sean. <laughs> sean goes dude I figured it out. And Gus turned around to see Sean standing in the doorway. Was that really necessary? <laughs> no, but it was cool. We go back to Henry's and we start watching that video. And Sean said, wait for it right there. That would have been a perfect chance for a wait for it. Yes. They see Juan Carlos flinch and kind of touch his neck right at the clubhouse turn. They can tell that there's something weird about that. Yeah, I forget how much is actually said in this scene specifically, but Sean basically says, this wasn't about murder. This was an accident. This is about or race fixing. Horse race fixing? Something like that. Yeah, fixing races. <laughs> they go to the SBPD to try to have a psychic moment to get the police on board. Sean said, Gus, did you get the tapes? And Gus said, of course. Did you bring your fake psychic ability? Oh, yes. <laughs> Always. They walk into the room with Chief Vic, Lassiter, and Juliet, and Sean is pretending to be blind so it can increase his sense of smell for some reason. Yeah, he sort of snuffles people in turn. Like, he starts with Jules, and he's like, a meadow full of lilacs. And then he sort of sniffs Lass, and he's like, Keme? Which, after Googling, we found out was probably an old lady soap, maybe? Yeah, which I think I would <laughs> like, if I do say so myself. Now it's time for the tapes! He knocks over these tapes that are sitting on the table and then just starts yelling random numbers and then goes, Doritos, Big Gulp, Slurpee. And Gus said, 7-Eleven? Juliet put together that 7-Eleven was the date that Juan Carlos died. The other random numbers that Sean had been screaming are the other dates of the tapes. So Sean puts all the tapes in, he hits play, and he slowly pauses them one by one, handing each remote to Lassiter as he pauses the tapes. And Lassie's mad. He's super not amused. <laughs> they see that the horses all start fading. After, after the clubhouse turn. Or after the clubhouse turn and the, all the way down the stretch. And specifically, a lot of the horses were the horses that Jimmy Nichols had been riding. Which were the favorites. The horses are being affected by something. Think whatever Juan Carlos got hit with was actually intended for the horse, not intended for him. Lassiter is just fed up, starts hitting all the buttons on the remote, and ends up unmuting the video where Juan Carlos dies. The 
announcer's kind of talking and we hear Sean go, the announcer, he sounds surprised and he rewinds it. We hear the announcer go, youthful spirit is fading. No, 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 he's, he's gaining, he's gaining. Youthful spirit was never fading. But he was supposed to. Bum, bum, bum. So we're like, oh, the announcer's shocked by this. He's super sus. He must be in on it. Chief Fix said we can't cancel the race, but we can have a police presence at the track tomorrow. So we end up at the track with the entire police presence. Sean and Henry are in the jockey club and Sean is wearing his pineapple shirt. And Henry's super pumped because he's always wanted to be in the jockey club. Juliet and Lassiter said that they have had eyes on Barry all day, Barry the announcer guy, all day, and there's been nothing. And then the race starts. Gus says something about all the Indian stuff you had me look up online. Like, they're, they're, ready, they're ready for something. Something's going to go down. Sean's kind of scanning the audience, and the first thing he sees is Phil the Thrill. And Phil has a lot of pretty big bets in his hand. He's bet like $500 on a bunch of different horses. And then Sean's also noticing Photo Guy and remembering stuff about Photo Guy, like where he's been and when, and just, I don't know, things are sort of starting to come together, it seems like. The three things that he puts together pretty quickly are that the photographer ran out to do really bad CPR. Phil had been excited about the 234 trifecta, and that Barry had said that the racetrack was closing. Yes. And Sean just goes, get everyone down to the track. He tells Gus to get everyone down to the track. Just as the race is, like, ending. So they're yes. going down to, like, the winner's circle area. And <laughs> we get the most epic entrance probably ever. Sean comes in on a horse and screams, Everybody hold your horses! I didn't catch this at first, and you did. But the jockey leans down to, like, hug the neck of her winning horse. Which is a very sweet moment. Sean said, That's not what I meant, but I like it. Sean gives us our breakdown. He's like, there was desperation here because the track was closing. And you know what? You finally wanted to get paid. And Barry's like, what are you talking about? You, it's nonsense. Denying everything. Sean said, if you knocked out the favorites and you bet on the others, you had a much more increased chance of winning high payouts. He's like, but you didn't do this alone. And he tells Lassie to grab Photo Guy and take a look at the camera hanging around his neck. Photo Guy's name is Ryan. We find that out in this scene. Oh, I did not write that down because... There we go. <laughs> but Lassie takes the lens cap off of this camera and there's no lens behind it. There's just like a weird little... It looks like a gun silencer, but... Yeah, yeah. Lassiter called it a firing mechanism. <laughs> I was like, camera gun thingy. <laughs> Ryan's ready to start speaking and Barry just goes, shut up, Ryan. They have nothing. Actually, Gus says, we have the fact that you are, well, does Sean say something about 116th here? Oh, yeah. Sean says, actually, we know you are 116th Chaco Indian. Yeah. And Gus gives us the Wikipedia breakdown of the Chaco Indians being known for their blow dart skills. And using them in, in whatever they use them for. <laughs> he said that the firing mechanism in the camera usually shoots the horses, but the camera guy missed and he hit Juan Carlos between the ketamine, the drugs in his system, and the adrenaline that was pumping through his system. It gave him a heart attack. And so they had to frame Jimmy to make sure that they got the derby, which is the race that's happening today, 
a payday. Sean says, because it's like my dad says, real men take bubble baths. But also, a bad gambler never knows when to quit. They couldn't pass up the chance for one more payday. They end up arresting all three of the gentlemen. And then Henry, Sean, and Gus are like, you guys want to go get your picture taken with their winning horse? And they run over to the winning horse. Henry throws a big old cheesy smile on his face, throws up the thumbs up, and Sean and Gus act natural. It's very blue steel. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, and the pictures and those terrible shirts. I love them. Still Which love Henry him. loves. <laughs> we are back at the psych office with Jimmy. <laughs> Gus is ready to tell Jimmy Nichols off. Ready to tell Jimmy Nichols that he ruined his life. I did this case. I proved it. No big deal. And then Jimmy Nichols kind of stops him and apologizes for being a douche. Yeah, not before calling them, you know what? Maybe you're not such fart knockers after all. <laughs> But Sean's like, hey, Gus, you got something to say? You got something to say? And before he can say anything, Jimmy does apologize for the wedgies and et cetera. And then Gus is like, hey, Sean, is there anything you want to get off your chest? I'm the one who ratted you out. I'm the one who ruined your life. This is where we get this really awful breakdown of why Jimmy doesn't think that Sean ruined his life at all. Because he was sent to Maui to live with his dad, who let him do whatever he wanted. He got to eat, like, ice cream and cheese Whiz and whatever for breakfast. He lost his virginity at 13. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the fact that he got expelled and his mother sent him away from her to a clearly neglectful father, no one was observing this child enough to know either, one, that he was being victimized by someone older, or two, he and another small child were living way beyond their ages. Oh, you said that so well, because my brain said boning. I said either that's a crime or just ew. Yeah. Like, he was a neglected child. And there's a lot of trauma and unresolved stuff. And he clearly has commitment issues and sees relationships as transactional. And I'm not going to sit here and armchair psychologist him too bad, but it's really sad. Like, I feel really bad for this man. I think that all just got perpetuated by his short man syndrome. He doesn't seem that bothered when people mention his height. No, but he is hyper-aggressive about everything. He's compensating in very interesting ways, like sleeping with Russian models and losing his virginity at 13 and buying his wife a 23-diamond ring. Ring, the word. yeah. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. There's a lot more going on there than Jimmy Nichols has to say about it. There's a lot of unresolved stuff. I feel very bad for this dude. You know, he rides off into the sunset with his Janine and... Sean's motorcycle is on full display in the scene, which I enjoyed. Oh. It made me think of Judd Nelson a lot because I heard a story recently that someone who met Judd Nelson had a really good fan experience with him and then he rode off on his motorcycle and I was Aww. like, is all of this a Judd Nelson reference? That's wonderful. <laughs> um, but Sean's really happy with the job they did. He says, we solved it, man. We did it. <laughs> Gus is just laughing. He's like, <laughs> it's evil you Gus. Still haven't figured out who the second spitter was. <laughs> Sean just looks at him, and then we're back in the classroom with Big Sean and Little Sean, and Big Gus and Little Gus. It's a beautiful moment. 
But it proves that Gus was the second spitter. I don't know if it's little Gus or it's big Gus. I think it's big Gus said to little Gus, I am and always will be that good. And then little Gus and big Gus fist bump. They did fist bump. No, no. Wait. Well, I think they fist bumped, but I think that line and that fist bump come with Sean and Gus in the present. Oh, you're right. So, yeah, we get a call back to Sean's earlier phrase where Gus is like, you don't know all my secrets. I guess I, too, am a man of untold mystery. <laughs> and we get a lot of lines that I had to write down in this scene. Like, they're so good. Sean just looks at me and goes, you are, dare I say, dastardly. <laughs> and, yeah, and then we get the Gus line. Oh, I don't know what the guest line is here. Oh, is that when we get the I am and always will be that good? Yeah, fist okay. bump. And then he goes, that's why That's why everybody used to call me the G. <laughs> really? I thought they called you Big Head Burton. Stop. Don't ever say that. <laughs> I know you started that, Sean. Okay. I'll go buy us ice cream. And Sean leans over to his ruse and pulls some dollar bills out of his secret kangaroo side pocket. Not only are they going for ice cream, but they're going to think up some fresh to death nicknames. <laughs> How about Burton the Billowy Bear? Gus just pieces out at this point. He is done. But we get this great line that he's like, what? I was just spitballing. That was my first shot. <laughs> because spitballs can't be like, oh, <laughs> I've got a knack for alliteration. I'm a slave to it. <laughs> that is a wonderful way to end the episode. Oh, man. Oh, so we got our faves. Buzz McNabb wasn't in this episode. We got fist bumps. We got hair references. I didn't hear a delicious, but... I didn't catch a delicious or horrible. Or a hideous. But there were a lot of hideous things. There were some missed opportunities. Missed opportunity for a, I've heard it both ways. Missed opportunity for a wait for it. I mean, we kind of got the wait for it. It just wasn't the right wait for it he said it normal instead of saying it the appropriate way true 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 we got some man boys being baby men (laughs) i quite like the old sean young sean old gus young gus i forgot they did that in this show that was amazing yeah it was wonderful i really really enjoyed that part and the fact that they're like wearing similar outfits yeah oh man we did get a churro reference though so Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No complaints And here. a pineapple. We actually got a pineapple on Finally. a shirt. I'm so happy about that. I didn't remember one ever being on a shirt. <laughs> well, friends, I'm Alexis. She's an enigma wrapped in a little blonde riddle. <laughs> and I'm Kaylee. I wouldn't say crazy. Maybe an eccentric who looks good in jeans. <laughs> and this has been... To the, to the blueberry! blueberry! Psych out.